Hey folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you audit your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down. My blood sugar is down. My weight's down. My health is up. My sleeping patterns are better. My metabolism is up. If you want to experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. Hello, America. Happy Sunday. Yep, only a couple Sundays until Christmas. You're probably starting to sweat it out. The holiday shopping list might be large. Don't forget, you can go to justthenews.com slash offers and get our holiday shopping guide. All sorts of discounts from all of our great advertisers from AMAC to heat holders to the extraordinary steaks at Omaha Steaks. So many great things that are there every day of the week. And so you'll want to really check that out. But today, while you're thinking about that, maybe you're making breakfast, maybe you're reading the newspaper, going out for the Sunday walk, headed out to the stores to do that last minute shopping. We've got a great show for you, starting off with FBI, former assistant director of intelligence, the intelligence chief for the FBI, Kevin Brock here. He has some really strong words for what the FBI has gotten into with censorship. He also is questioning whether the FBI is over-focusing on Russian disinformation, maybe solving a problem that really isn't affecting the election, and in so doing, creating a censorship risk to all of our civil liberties. He's going to kick off the show today. Then Rodney Davis, the retiring ranking Republican of the House Administration Committee, he helped us break that story last week about Omar Ashmawi the ethics office chief who's had some run-ins with the law, some issues, a DUI, a bar fight, concerns that he misused his congressional identification or email to pressure police to pursue some people. Rodney Davis can tell us why he thinks that official should step aside, why these episodes, which, by the way, he looks like he's going to escape a punishment for, matter for public integrity. We're going to have that. Then Congressman Andrew Clyde, on the Homeland Security Committee, on the House Oversight Committee. A lot to talk about censorship clearly on his mind, but the border and all things that we learned this week about the border, including all of those terrorists crossing there that were just seemed to be streaming across. Record number, more in the last year under Joe Biden than in the four years of Donald Trump. That's a red flag. We're going to talk to that with Congressman Clyde. Then my good friend, Elaine Parker from Job Creators Network. They are involved in this epic Supreme Court case challenging the 
new Biden student loan cancellation, which has been put on hold by the courts. It's going to get before the justices. She's going to bring us up to speed on all the twists in that case, as well as remind us that it was her group that also won the court ruling that struck down federal vaccine mandates for private businesses. So Elaine is on the front end of a lot of important things. She's going to join us. And then we're going to wrap up the show with a gentleman we had on once before, and she really lit it up. He is the head of the Religious Broadcasters Association, the NRB, the National Religious Broadcasters. Troy Miller's here. He's going to talk to us about the marriage bill that passed in the House and Senate, going to be signed by Joe Biden. He has found some fine print language in that bill that he says is going to open up religious organizations to unprecedented new lawsuits, harassment lawsuits, nuisance lawsuits, lawfare, as people call it. We're going to hear him out. That's a very important issue that you talk about when Congress was considering it. That's our show today. Step back. We're going to hear from our great advertisers, sponsors, and partners, and we'll kick in with Kevin Brock from the FBI right after this commercial break. Hey, folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you audit your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down. My blood sugar is down. My weight's down. My health is up. My sleeping patterns are better. My metabolism is up. If you want to experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Former FBI Assistant Director of Intelligence, Kevin Brock. You all remember the story we broke a couple of days ago with that affidavit, that agent Elvis Chan talking about an FBI operation to censor material on uh, the social media networks in America during the 2020 election. A lot more than Hunter Biden. We're going to bring Kevin in to help us walk through what's right and wrong about it and where there might be some reforms. Kevin, as always, great to have you on the show. Wonderful to be with you, Amanda and John. Thanks for having me. 
I know you did a lot of reading. Uh, you went through this whole deposition of Elvis Chan. You saw our story. Give us your no. top line. I mean, you were in the FBI. You know the important things the FBI do, does that is so uh, meaningful and lawful. Anything here make you uncomfortable? Well, l let me first put a little bit of uh, the story into context for, for your viewers, because I don't want America panicking that the FBI is uh, you know engaging in widespread censorship. There are some concerning things that are in this affidavit we have to address. But remember that the FBI has a counterintelligence mission to, to highlight and show any Russian, Chinese, Iranian uh, influence operations within the United States. Russia in particular is very aggressive with this. Uh, in years gone by, they had problems getting their propaganda out. Now with social media, it's easy to do. And so the FBI does have a responsibility to, to alert, uh, to these, to the steps that the, you know, Russians are taking to create fake Facebook posts and pages and, 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 and do influence operations inside this country. So that's all legitimate. And in Elvis Chan's, um, affidavit, he points out that, they brought this information to the main social media platforms and said, be aware, we're not gonna tell you what to do, but just be aware. Now that was in 2016. In 2020, there was a subtle shift. Um, and if you look at, I think page 270 something of the affidavit, it showed that the FBI got, if not directive, a little bit more suggestive about how they could take down certain, um, certain of these sites, all within the context of Russian disinformation and Russian influence. But uh, as I think you point out in your article, some of that information that was um, taken down included American input into social media, retweets that the Russians would retweet. Uh, and um, and so effectively they're getting caught up in being, in having speech squashed, not intentionally, but that's that's kind of the effect. And then secondly, John, I think because of the proximity of the Hunter Biden story in relation to the 2020 election, some of that got conflated and with good reason, because if the Hunter Biden uh, laptop story was not a, a Russian disinformation operation, it was most Americans believe it was an American U.S. intelligence community uh, disinformation operation. And and so there's some concern that the FBI doing going out and doing their due diligence of warning these these social media platforms that it had an effect to uh, and it did have an effect, obviously, to, to squash that that story. And so um, I think there's there's room for investigation in the upcoming Congress to reassure themselves that things were done properly. And if they weren't, then people would be held to account. Yeah, that's important. Kevin, the FBI is a, a storied institution. There are so many men and women like you who acted appropriately and ethically uh, within your capacity there. Um, and I, I remember, I don't know if this was ever anything official that was codified within any type of FBI document, but the badge was smaller than you would expect it to be. And a lot of people said that so that, that FBI agents couldn't hide behind their badge. It certainly seems like we are witnessing a culture that has reverted to something vastly different from that, where you do have not only, you know, rank and file FBI agents, but now the brass hiding behind their badge. You know, Amanda, we've talked about this in the past and it saddens me. Um, there's a sea change in the FBI clearly starting in 2016 um, when it became clear that leadership started to down a, a political path. And um, and there are indicators that are disturbing to a lot of Americans that um, the FBI is still participating 
a little too closely with uh, a political Department of Justice agenda against uh, conservative speech and, and conservative issues in this in this country. That's a perception the bureau has to acknowledge, and they have to uh, they have to come to grips with because uh, the country will not will not trust an FBI that they believe is not impartial. And uh, so the, the Bureau has some work to do. I think they realize they have some work to do. Uh, hopefully the leadership will embrace that and take that on. But you're right. There's no hiding behind the badge. There's, uh, it's not constructed that way. Um, the truth will out in the end. Yeah, there's an curious fact in this uh, deposition that caught my um, attention, Kevin. I want to see if you had any insight into what the thinking might have been. Uh, instead of using official FBI systems like email to communicate with the social media platforms, they used a private uh, encrypted uh, program um, to communicate. Uh, I forget the name of it now, Signal. And, and it seems odd that the FBI would use something that has disappearing messages to communicate with the social media platforms. Now, in fairness to the FBI, they said they screenshotted everything they could remember, so they preserved it as a government record. But why use that as a medium to communicate requests for censorship? It, it wouldn't be what I would do, uh, John. I mean, we're talking, usually the conversations are classified. They're dealing with people who are cleared inside of these social media com companies. Right. Uh, communications are done face-to-face -face or over um, secured lines or other means. Signal, you know, Signal has a, uh, a an ability to to encrypt, but it's not foolproof. Right. Uh, so it seems to me a little careless. I I wouldn't recommend that as a means of communication. Um, but I think they were trying to do it in the interest of of an added safety that was convenient. Um, but uh, hopefully they'll take a look at that policy. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like they have changed it in 2022, according to the deposition. But yeah, that's interesting. I, that makes some sense now. Yeah, everything that they do, John, uh, any communication needs to be documented. It needs to go into a file. Any There shouldn't be casual conversations on the side. I mean, that happens. But if it's an official communication and briefing, then all of that has to be documented on official documents made part of the record. Yeah. That's important. Kevin, I, I just want to throw a fly in the ointment and play devil's advocate here. When when you were intelligence chief, is there any part of this that you find to be beneficial to the American people as far as the interests of national security or whatever, whatever could possibly be healthy for America? This coordination, this censorship of disinformation. Is there any part of this that you think um, was was genuine to the to the extent that they wanted to protect Americans? That's a great question. Um, I struggle with the idea that the Russians are able to mount enough influence to impact our, our electorate. Um, they, they are, their whole goal is to sow discord in this country, to divide us as a people, to create chaos. But a lot of the issues that they that they pick on, like racial tensions, Black Lives Matter, Second Amendment rights, abortion rights, that type of thing, are the stuff we get paraded every night with, through cable yeah. television news, uh, and can be argued as is equally as divisive. So I, I I shouldn't say equally, but it but it 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 just shows that there's really I haven't seen any empirical data that that these influence campaigns are really having some type of an effect on Americans. And so I sometimes question the amount of effort that goes into um, or concern about all of this stuff and um, and whether or not resources are being applied 
uh, appropriately. Yeah, that's a really good point, Kevin. We got about a minute left. Uh, the one thing that I think jumped out to me is that if you're an American and you posted something truthful on Facebook, it actually turned out to be accurate, Hunter Biden laptop being an accurate thing, uh, and the Russians retweeted, that could have been a trigger for the FBI saying, take that down because it could help the Russians. That's where it seems like Americans get their liberties jeopardized a little bit more. Um, your thoughts on how that may have evolved inside the FBI? John, any any indication that the FBI specifically requested specific um, tweets or pages, Facebook pages that can be traced back to an American rather than a than a Russian bot operation uh, would be very very troubling. Obviously, and that has to be investigated to make sure that that's not happening. But your point is a good one. A lot of a lot of what they're doing, the Russians are doing, are retweeting valid American commentary, and uh, and then fanning it and and pushing it out and amplifying it just just to sow this discord that I I spoke of. So um, it you know you're on the right track there as far as you know looking at this as concerning behavior and something to be looked at. All right, folks, don't go anywhere. When we come back, Congressman Rodney Davis here to talk about that Congressional Ethics Office investigation we broke earlier this week. He'll be up next. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote. It's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale. Four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, AMAC.US slash Just News. That's AMAC.US forward slash Just News. Hey folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title and your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. 
We're going to delve into one of our favorite topics. One of the things we do here at Just the News a lot is to check whether the people who are entrusted with enforcing the law live by that same law, whether they follow the law themselves. They follow the standards that they're asked to impose on others here in America. That's been at the heart of our reporting, whether it was on the FBI abuses of Russia collusion, uh, the failure of the Capitol Police to prepare for the January 6th violence uh, threat assessment that they had gotten, or whether Hunter Biden and his family should have been able to profit off of the name while trading on it in foreign countries. But today we've got a new example. As we mentioned at the top of the show, uh, the current director and chief counsel of the Office of Congressional Ethics, an office that Nancy Pelosi created back in 2008, Omar Ashmawi, he has just returned to work after a two-month absence because he was arrested for crashing his car into a home while driving under the influence. Uh, this isn't the first time that Mr. Ashmawi has had problems back in several uh, in 2015, uh, he was involved in a bar fight. Now, the ultimate investigation by Congress found he was the victim of the fight, that the others were the prov uh, provocators, but the investigation found some troubling behavior by him, and that was that he used his official congressional office to pressure law enforcement to pursue his attackers, something the investigation concluded was inappropriate for someone in his position. Well, our next guest, he's been digging into all of this information and beginning to raise very troubling questions about whether Mr. Whether Mr. Ashmawi is the right person to oversee the ethics office in Congress. He is Congressman Roddy Davis from the great state of Illinois, the rank member of the House Administration Committee, and he joins us right now. Congressman, uh, pretty troubling history with this appointee in Congress, is it not? It's very troubling. Uh, the first incident, there were more allegations of Mr. Ashmawi's behavior uh, before that fight that you referenced, uh, but now we're talking about something recent. I mean, I can understand somebody makes a mistake, give them a chance. But in the end, you saw the, the, body, the body cam footage from the police. Uh, this is a gentleman who, while intoxicated, drove his car into a house um, and then tried to, to make sure that the police were not uh, were not going to engage in that issue. He was set on he was put on leave and now he's back at work. Look, the Office of Congressional Ethics has no accountability to Congress whatsoever. They don't answer to any single committee of jurisdiction. So there's no oversight of Mr. Ash Maui's behavior and Mr. Ash Maui's actions. And clearly, clearly his actions have shown us that there needs to be some accountability. Yeah, and when you look at the evidence that the police have put forth, he had an empty whiskey bottle and a full bottle in his car, something we all know we shouldn't do when we're driving. He had a six-pack of beer. He clearly was over the limit. That's why he gets charged with that. But uh, if I understand correctly, and I think you just made a reference to it, when he first gets there, he tries to get the homeowner not to call police. Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, that's what we've seen. Wow. So uh, fortunately, police are called. They make the arrest. He gets in there now. Uh, what did uh, the uh, leadership now tell you about why he's been restored to his job? He was gone, put on leave. I think the office told you they thought this is a very serious matter, but he's back on the job. What's the reasoning given to you for why he's back on the job? Well, the reasons given are, are reasons that we don't think hold water. As a matter of fact, uh, Mr. Ashmelly, He's, he is governed by appointees from the Speaker of the House and appointees from the Leader of the House, supposed to be bipartisan. And in the end, I think all of those appointees are shirking their duties. They're, they're utilizing their authority to put Mr. Ashmawi back in his job when clearly his actions could create what many would consider a hostile work environment. Remember, this is the person who leads the ethics office that's supposed to investigate bad behaviors of members of Congress. 
and he should be held to a certain standard of behavior too. Remember, the same board, the same people who sent us a letter notifying us that Mr. Ashmally was going to be back on the job said that maybe it wasn't that he was drinking and driving. It could have been some medication he was taking. Now, I will tell you, as somebody who's been here 10 years in Congress, the Office of Congressional Ethics doesn't give members of Congress that much leeway or any excuses before they forward a case to the, the House Ethics Committee. And Mr. Ashmaui, as a staffer, is not held to the same accountability standards, and maybe we need to look at some changes. Yeah, that's a really interesting angle, and I think you're right. A lot of these offices, they don't end up having to answer to anybody, that, uh, that, that permanent bureaucracy. There are some interesting indications in the earlier case about his willingness to use his connections in Washington, his title in Washington to try to pressure the police. I think one of the gentlemen was a former TSA agent that was involved in that bar fight. He gives a different account that Ashmawi, Mr. Ashmawi was the aggressor, but at the end of the day, he sues Mr. Ashmawi. Mr. Ashmawi pays some sort of financial settlement to solve that. When you see the internal report that Congress created about that incident, the idea that he would use his congressional email address, his title, the inference that big guns in Washington were going to uh, come down on the police if they didn't pursue his attackers, what comes to mind in terms of his judgment there? Well, clearly his judgment's flawed. Now, look, if he's got a problem with alcohol, hopefully he's going to get some help to address that problem. But I will tell you, if I was accused as a member of Congress of throwing my weight around to get law enforcement to do something that uh, any other citizen in America couldn't get, Mr. Ashmaui in the Office of Congressional Ethics would send a referral over to the House Ethics Committee in no time. But instead, the same group, the same person who's in charge of, of enforcement actions against bad behavior by members of Congress won't enforce actions, won't enforce actions against bad behavior by members of their own team. And that's what's offensive right now. Yeah, and I, I, if I understand correctly, you've done some research just on his record of referrals. Uh, for most of the time he's been in office, I think 14 years, eight of them, Democrats have been the majority of the lawmakers in Congress, but it seems to be a disproportionate referrals of Republicans for ethics issues. Tell us what you found in your review. Well, it's about 60% Republicans that get referred and only about 40% Democrats. And frankly, you know, we need to look a little more at what this office is doing. Now, everybody wants members of Congress to behave and fall within the rules and regulations and laws of this country. We get that. But we have a process for adjudicating bad behavior in the House Ethics Committee. Nancy Pelosi created this Office of Congressional Ethics. It again has no oversight from Congress. We can't provide any oversight activities against Mr. Ashmaway and, and dig into his actions further and find out why the board itself has decided that he must be, in their mind, the only person in America who's qualified and capable to do his job since he's had that job since Nancy Pelosi created it. That is what I think the American people need to ask themselves. Who else can do this job? I got to believe there are a lot of people in America with better standards less of a record than Mr. Ashmelly that could clearly do a better job of gauging which investigations should come to the House Ethics Committee and which, which investigations should not. There's a moment ahead Republicans are going to take over the uh, House in January. Now you're retiring and a lot of people are going to be missing your hard work that you've done over the years. What recommendations might you make to a Speaker McCarthy, to the uh, leadership that will follow you about this office and specifically about this gentleman? Is this the right guy in your mind to be overseeing this office? 
Oh, absolutely not. I, I think he should resign. Um, and I think he should be embarrassed enough to resign. Nobody in that type of position should have multiple instances like he's had. And and in the end, I, I think that would be best for him and best for the board and frankly, best for the country. Uh, but I've got a lot more work to do in the next few weeks that I still have to make sure that we hold this board in the Office of Congressional Ethics accountable for their actions. So I don't have a plan that I can lay out right now what happens in the new Republican majority, because even in the minority, I'm going to be doing everything I can over the next few weeks to hold everyone who's making these terrible decisions there accountable for their actions. You did such important work on January 6th as well, and the intelligence fairs. I know we're going to see the results of that in the next few weeks. But that's another place where a Capitol Police ends up responding more to a board than uh, the members of Congress who employ them. Is it time maybe to look at this layering device of having boards, keeping members of Congress from having oversight from law enforcement and ethics enforcement? Absolutely. And frankly, when it comes to the security apparatus around the Capitol that, John, you and I have talked about a lot, we at least have a committee of jurisdiction, the House Administration Committee, that can call in those those leaders of the security apparatus, and they can we can ask questions, we can get them on record. But the Democrats who are in charge of doing that, they just failed to exercise our oversight responsibility. Republicans will not make that same mistake. Folks, don't touch that dial. We're going to come back with Congressman Andrew Clyde. He's here to talk about the board. He's on the Homeland Security Committee. A lot of good conversation that Amanda and I had with him this week. You're going to want to not miss that. That's a good conversation. Some incredible statistics you got to keep in the forefront of your mind. When people say, what's going on at the border? You're going to know. Thanks to Congressman Andrew Clyde right after this. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. We have one of the most important members in Congress. He serves on the House uh, Oversight Committee and the House Homeland Security Committee. Uh, and he joins us from the great peach state of Georgia, Congressman Andrew Clyde. Congressman, great to have you on the show, sir. Well, thank you. It's great to be with you. I appreciate uh, being here. You are in, involved in so many things, but I want to get your take on the top news of the day. WNBA star Brittany Griner traded for an arms merchant that was of great value to the United States. Uh, your think on whether this is an equal, your thought on whether this is an equal swap or not. Well, well, you know, I'll tell you, it's uh, great news that uh, Brittany Griner is coming back to the United States. I think that that's fantastic. But I'll tell you, this is another example of failed leadership on the Biden administration. He left Paul Whelan behind. You have Victor Bout, all right, the merchant of death, the greatest, uh, most lethal arms dealer in the entire world. That was an ace card that we had. And what did we get? We got Brittany Griner, but he left Paul Whelan in Russia. 
That was a huge mistake. He should have been able to get both of them back for uh, Victor Bout. Uh, and I just think it's another failure, just like uh, Obama failed back uh, when he brought our servicemen home for five uh, terrorist generals in exchange for five terrorist generals. Uh, you know, uh, it just shows you the weakness of President Biden. Uh, he should have been able to get way more than that. Uh, for um, for Victor Bout, but um, but you know I'm I'm glad that that Brittany Griner's home. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that aspect up because one of the things that President Biden said this morning, uh, he said that it, it wasn't possible to bring home that Marine, Paul Whelan. Um, it wasn't a, a, a situation where they could do both. It was a situation of either this or nothing at all. Do you think that that would have been the case under someone like President Trump? No, not at all. I think President Trump would have gotten them both back. Uh, you know, you, you saw fit, you saw weakness in Afghanistan, uh, and as a result of that, I think uh, that contributed to the Russian invasion in Ukraine. Uh, he showed he uh, Biden showed weakness there. So um, uh, it just you can see the domino effect across major foreign uh, decisions across the world of uh, of our president's weakness on the world stage, and uh, it's really sad to see. Uh, I, I wish he were stronger, and I wish that people uh, respected this country more. Uh, the foreign uh, countries did, but they don't because we have a weak leader. Yeah, so true. Uh, Congressman, you have been one of the clarion voices on the crisis at the border. Uh, another border agent killed last night during a pursuit. Uh, the Customs Border Patrol agents seem like they're really short of the resources they need to do their job. Well, again, you have lawlessness at the southern border. This is a self-inflicted wound by the Biden administration. And uh, you're, we're going to have, have you know, criminal activity and we're going to have uh, tragic events at the border because of this. Uh, you know, President Biden could seal that border just like President Trump sealed that border. He could finish the border wall, which is necessary. Uh, he could better fund uh, the Customs and Border Protection. And, and we could put more agents down there if we had a wall. The agents would be more effective with a wall. But he refuses to do that. And now we're losing. Title 42, I think, on December 21st, it's going to be a complete disaster on our southern border. And we are going to see more tragedies like what we saw this week, what we've seen this week. Yeah. And that's a yeah. shame. Absolutely. And I want to stay on the topic of the border because there is uh, another issue that relates to a porous border that affects Georgia, I think, more than it does other quote unquote non-border states, even though we know that pretty much every state is a border state. And that's the issue of human trafficking. Uh, Hartsfield-Jackson Airport, at, at least as of five years ago or so, was, was a major, major hub for human trafficking. Is this something that Georgians care? Uh, I, I know they care about it, but, but is it something that's really widespread and therefore affects their vote? Uh, well, I'll tell you that human trafficking uh, is one of the things that the open border exacerbates. We see that when the, the folks come up from the south uh, and, and uh, the coyotes that bring the young, the young teenagers, the unaccompanied children uh, that have been coming in by the thousands. It's incredibly concerning to a state like Georgia. And then you have the Biden administration flying uh, you, uh, unaccompanied children and, and aliens, uh, illegal aliens to the various to the, all the other states, uh, making each state a border state. And it's certainly concerning for Georgia because, uh, you know, Atlanta is a hub of, uh, of traffic. 
just of all sorts of people. And so you know that human trafficking is going to exist there too. And that's something that we have to uh, shut down as best we can uh, because it's an evil, very, very evil thing. And President Biden uh, is literally responsible for it. You know, I consider the federal government to be the final link in the chain of human trafficking when it comes to uh, what they have been doing on the southern border. It's, it's, a, it's a true story. When you put it all together, he really is the end responsibility for this. Congressman, uh, there are many troubling statistics about the border. The one that's most striking to me, more people with terrorist ties have crossed the border in the last few months than the entire presidency of Donald Trump. What is Homeland Security telling you about why so many are trying now, what their ties are, and what potential danger may be lurking in the country from people who have already gotten in? Uh, well, you know, it's... The, uh, the Border Patrol has caught over 100 people on the terrorist watch list. We know that just during the Biden administration. That's over five times what was uh, just during the Trump administration. You know, that is so, so concerning to us. And you've got to wonder, why are these people coming from the southern, you know, who are on the terrorist watch list? Why are they coming into the United States? And then, but what's even more concerning are those we haven't caught. Uh, you know, there were 900,000 what are considered to be uh, gotaways. And those are people that we know actually crossed the border, but we didn't have the resources to go and detain them. So if you're going to if you're going to terrorist and you've got a, uh, you know, a nefarious plan, then uh, you're not going to be one of those who gives yourself up. You're going to be one of those uh, who evades as best possible. So of those 900,000 gotaways, how many more have not been caught who are actually on the terrorist watch list. Uh, and, um, you know, President Biden, again, his policies are directly responsible for this. It all goes back to Biden's policies. And, um, you know, our country's going to suffer for it. But we will take back the majority in January. And, uh, and we're going to do our best to, to shut that down through the power of the purse. Yeah, and, and another thing that affects national security and, and safety here at home, uh, inner city crime, the crime surges that we are seeing across America, one of the, the four pillars of the commitment to America by House Republicans is improving safety in America. Um, for you, what are, what are some of the most important things to, to alleviate that, that crime pressure? Um, you know, well, the federal government uh, honestly needs to worry about our borders. Uh, that's its primary responsibility, you know, and then supporting law enforcement. Uh, we have we have sanctuary cities across our country that are magnets for these illegals coming in. And we have to be able to get rid of sanctuary cities. And I think we can do that through the funding mechanism of the federal government. All right, folks, time to come back and talk about the economy a little bit. Right after this commercial break, we're going to hear from Elaine Parker at Job Creators Network. Epic lawsuit against the student loan cancellation program that Joe Biden has brought forth. New developments at the Supreme Court. We're going to bring you up to speed on that in just a little bit. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Not too long ago, a lot of you probably saw that President Biden's education department attempted to buy votes by attempting to push an economically disastrous plan to forgive student loan up to $20,000 per borrower. Now, the fight is heading to the Supreme Court, and our next guest is the president of Job Creators Network Foundation, and she is here to talk about joining the fight against the Biden administration on this matter specifically. Elaine Parker, so great to have you back. Thank you so much for having me. And, and I want to ask you uh, for an update on this, because it seems like there's been quite a big, quite a bit of tug of war back and forth regarding the status of this and where it stands. Can you fill us in on that? Absolutely. Well, after a lower court and a lower district court in Texas um, ruled the program was unconstitutional on November 10th, the DOJ immediately filed to the Fifth Circuit and last asking for that decision to be set aside so they could move forward with the with the program while the legalities of the appeal played out. The Fifth Circuit came back last Wednesday evening um, and denied that request. And then on Friday, the DOJ appealed to the Supreme Court asking basically two things. The first is also to set aside um, the lower court's decision, allow them to move forward with the forgiveness program. Um, and while the appeal plays out in, in both the Fifth Circuit and the uh, Supreme Court. But if the Supreme Court denies that, um, they have asked that the case be heard um, in oral arguments in February with uh, the actually the case that's already up there um, with the five AGs, the state's case that's up there and scheduled to be heard in February right now. So if the Supreme Court denies that, then um, we'll be heading to the Supreme, heading up there for oral arguments, it looks like. Wow. That'll be a big moment. And it isn't the first time in the last year that uh, Job Creators Network has been at the front of a very important uh, Supreme Court case. You, of course, challenged uh, the vaccine mandate on business and successfully won there. Uh, talk a little bit about how this government overreached. This administration's constant usurping of powers that it doesn't have from Congress is affecting people on Main Street, because that's ultimately who you represent, the 30 million businesses on Main Street. All of these overreaches have a negative effect to everyday business owners, don't they? Absolutely. I mean, this is not the first time that uh, a court has had to tell this administration and this president that he's he does not have unlimited authority. Um, and in this case, he is putting forth a program, a, a student loan forgiveness program, and claiming that he has the authority to do it under the HEROES Act, which by its very name, the HEROES Act was passed for our men and women fighting in the military. It was passed in 2003, right after 9-11, the 9-11 attacks. When our men and women were fighting uh, the, the war, and it was to help them and to help uh, help them with their student loan repayments, the people in Congress who passed that law never foresaw a president taking unilateral action to develop a four hundred billion dollar program to forgive everyday ordinary Americans who are not overseas fighting a war. And and when you look at the the state of the economy right now, I mean, we're dealing with some of the highest inflation we've seen in 40 years. And the president wants to spend another half a trillion dollars in loan forgiveness at a time when, you know, gas is is at, uh, you know, all time high prices. Inflation is high. Um, 
labor shortages, and all of these issues impact our small businesses in a disproportionate way. And so we're pushing back because of the government overreach and the economic damage to our small businesses. Well, and you bring up that damage. It seems like it's individuals as well. I saw a startling study last year that found that I think about 40 percent of Americans have less than three hundred dollars in savings. That has gotten worse this year because a lot of people are starting to draw down on retirement accounts. And of course, uh, people using money from their life insurance policies, which is something that we have not seen. But according to the Biden administration, we, we have a great economy. There is no recession. Talk to us about that. Well, no doubt. I mean, savings are down um, and, and credit cards, uh, credit card usage is up. And we're going to continue to see that happen because people are having trouble making ends meet. Uh, as we go into this holiday season, people are going to be using their credit cards to buy Christmas card, Christmas uh, presents um, because, you know, we've got inflation that that is some of the highest inflation we've seen in 40 years. Um, and that's essentially a pay cut, you know. And and so while wages are rising, they're not they're not keeping up with the rate of inflation. And so people have less uh, in their paychecks and less to spend on Christmas presents and less to spend um, in general for living. I mean, my my father used to always tell me um, that's that's having too much month at the end of the money. Well, that's what's happening for people right now is they don't have enough money to get to the end of the month. Yeah. And you're seeing it in so many of the economic reporting. I know the Biden administration keeps putting a happy spin on the economic statistics, but all the recent layoff announcements, that's going to have a downstream effect on Main Street, isn't it? Sure. And of course, um, you know, labor is always a lagging factor. So you're starting to see the bigger companies um, make the layoffs. They actually make the news when you hear Amazon is cutting 10,000 jobs or um, some other large corporation. But our small business owners, they have been looking at uh, jobs that they can't fill or decide not to fill for a very long time because they simply don't have the funds to do so. Um, again, they are disproportionately hurt when uh, the supply chain crisis is happening or the cost of energy is so high uh, or even just the cost of wages. I mean, we've got massive wage inflation as a result of the labor shortage. And some of these smaller Main Street businesses just can't afford um, to pay those types of wages, um, especially those types of increases, because they can't pass the, the costs onto the customers um, as quickly as the, the wages are going up and the cost just to do business. There's another cost I want to ask you about, the cost of COVID, um, and, and reflect back over the last few years. Here in Los Angeles, you know, you drive down the street and you see businesses that, that were someone's dream, someone's American dream. They started a little mom-and-pop grocery store on the corner, and uh, and then because of COVID, they closed, and that happened all across America. Obviously, it was worse, worse in, in states that had more stricter restrictions more strict restrictions. Uh, I wanted to ask you, though, representing small businesses and, and maneuvering within that space, have you seen many or any of those small businesses pop back up? You know, obviously, we believe that entrepreneurs, people who have the entrepreneur spirit, they find a way and they're a special breed of people. And so we do always see um, small businesses come back and, and fight to, to stay around and, and, um, and thrive. Um, and they do things in spite of that because they're they're just very inventive. They they find ways to to make it work. Um, and so I do believe that small business will can will will lead us out of this recession. Um, they led the way under the Trump administration after the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act to the greatest economy we had seen in half a century. I believe they will lead us out of this recession if we can get the policies right for them. 
All right, folks, we got one more segment to go. Troy Miller, the head of the Religious Broadcasters Association, NRB, going to talk about that new marriage law and specifically some language that raises concerns about lawsuits against religious groups right after these messages. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. More than 140 million Americans watch or listen to Christian broadcasting every month, and 67% are weekly churchgoers. That's an amazing statistic. Now, joining us to discuss the state of Christians exercising their religious freedom, tuning into media, and getting out to vote is the president and chief executive officer of the National Religious Broadcasters, NRB, Troy Miller. Troy, good to have you. John, thank you. Good to be here. I want to start with a little legislation that made its way through Congress recently, the new Marriage Act. A lot of people think this is just about recognizing gay marriage. There's some fine print here that you're deeply concerned about when it comes to free speech and Christianity, right? Oh, right. The so-called Respect for Marriage Act, which we would hold as a Disrespect for Marriage Act, uh, recently was approved by the Senate. It's going to go to the House soon. And if you really look at the bill itself, it seems on the surface that this is sort of codifying, putting into code something that's already out there because the Supreme Court's ruled on. But look at the fine print. And the real issue here is about silencing the church or silencing anybody, any organization that doesn't affirm same-sex marriage. So there's this private right to action that's allowed by the legislation, which means if you feel like an organization, you know, hasn't met your needs and your affirmation, you can make a civil lawsuit against them. And there's no other criteria in the bill uh, that says you can't. So we really worry that this is going to open the door for a lot of frivolous lawsuits and organizations that should be spending money on helping people, helping children get adopted, helping families uh, uh, get fed, helping a number of things that the church do are now going to have to spend a lot of money fighting off these lawsuits. Another form of lawfare. Unreal. Amanda, Absolutely. what do you think about that? Yes. And, and speaking of lawfare, I wanted to ask you about this most recent case. About a week ago, uh, I believe on November 30th, there was an organization who sought to have an event at a restaurant in Virginia. I think it was a German-style restaurant. And the restaurant canceled the event because of this foundation's views on abortion and traditional marriage and family values and things like that. It always seems to happen in this direction, because if it ever happened in the other direction and right. it was a Christian business who canceled some type of event that, that, you know, we've seen case after case after case, especially in Colorado, which we'll talk about in a minute. Why is it always this direction and why are why is it OK for it to go one direction and not the other? 
Yeah, that's a great question. Why is it okay for one direction and not another? Uh, and and you really don't see that. First of all, Christians don't cancel uh, folks out. That's just the the, the premise of who they are as a, as folks. But this Virginia case is really concerning. How come this organization can say to this pro family group that already made reservations to be at this restaurant to hold their event to suddenly say you're not welcome here anymore just because of the opinions and the ideas and the beliefs that you hold that it itself is supposed to be unconstitutional. And why is it that the government doesn't get involved in those cases? Why is it that they only get involved in cases when they think either somebody on the Christian side or somebody on the conservative side is is disenfranchising another group, which really, like you said, it doesn't happen. We don't hear about it. Um, it's really concerning. And that's what we're concerned about, again, with the respect for marriage law. This is going to go into place and say, unless you're affirming, then there's an issue here. You, you shouldn't get goods and services. Let me give you an example. One of our uh, radio stations was looking to buy some radio stations. There was a radio station in the market, in the San Francisco market, had a footprint reached about 500,000 people. They thought this is a great station to look at. Uh, but the ad said at the end of it, non-affirming organizations need not apply. That should be illegal under the law. The, a lot of people don't know it is the FCC. It's the government that holds radio station licenses. Uh, and this organization is basically being allowed to discriminate against faith-based organizations that hold to traditional marriage. It's really terrible what's going on today. It is remarkable. And the level of cancel culture seems to be sweeping across every aspect of our culture. Uh, now banks, we hear financial institutions are cutting people off. Uh, uh, Kirk Cameron had a problem just getting his own books and entertainment out there. Uh, when you're on the front lines, you're a minister, you're a content creator in the Christian space. What are some of the threats that you're seeing much more commonly now, Troy, that are there to cancel or put in the way of success of a Christian organization? Well, we all know what's going on in the social media sector so many organizations, and that's the new medium. That's the way people communicate today. So there's an issue going on there that we're worried about. But as you said, the banking sector is a major issue as well. Uh, we've had a number of our ministries that have been had their credit card processing canceled. Their telecommunications uh, call centers have said, we no longer want to do business with you. And most recently, even us at the NRB, as we look to uh, renew our annual directors and officers insurance, something that every organization has to have, uh, we had Several organizations said, no, we're not even going to give you a bid on that because we don't want to be involved with what you're doing. So wow. Christians are really at risk today uh, just to do general business that they need to do in their ministries or their organizations. Troy, I wanted to ask you, you brought up social media and um, I wanted to bring something to the conversation because I, I'm a little bit uplifted by a certain aspect of social media and, and traditional values and things like that, and it's this. I've seen a trend on social media, particularly Instagram, which I think mostly caters to Gen Z and, and folks who are young, but I have seen a major increase in the number of Christian accounts, positive accounts that push Christian values or that espouse Christian values, and I think it's amazing to see because this youngest generation seems to be much bolder about uh, speaking out about their beliefs. Do you see that trend as well? Yeah, I 
I think that's a great point to bring up, and it's a it, it's a good positive point. There's some great things. The younger influencers are the ones that are willing to speak out. They are really bold and really energized to speak to their demographic and to their generation. And so we're seeing that. You know, NRB we hold an annual convention, so we have a number of folks coming in. Podcasters are huge. Uh, Instagram and social media influencers are really starting to show up, and they're and they're loud, they're vocal, and they're not afraid. And 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 we just cheer them on. Yeah, such an exciting time. And uh, the next generation is starting to take its place in society. Um, we got about 45 seconds left. I want to go back to where we started. Uh, that marriage law gets through because a dozen uh, Republicans joined the Democrats. Were you surprised by the number of Republicans crossing over? I think we were very surprised uh, about the number, of, especially certain Republicans that come from very conservative states, very conservative districts. Um, um, I think they're going to look at this, and I hope people remember down the road uh, what they did, especially when all these organizations are dealing with these lawsuits. Yeah, such an important time to have a longer memory than in the past. Uh, Troy, always an honor to have you on. Real quickly, how can people watch some of the great programming that NRB has up? Uh, so you can go to nrb.org, and you can get our action alerts to know what's going on and, and see what our members are doing. NRB.org. All right, folks, that wraps up the Sunday edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. So grateful you can join us. Great lineup, a lot of food for thought. Really thinking about what Kevin Brock said at the top of the show about how the FBI has worked its way into the censorship business, maybe to address a problem that isn't readily apparent as actually affecting elections, Russian disinformation, some very important words of thought there. The idea that so many agencies now are involved in the censorship game, Homeland Security and CISA, State Department office, CDC, FDA, FBI. We're going to learn of more over the next year through FOIAs and other lawsuits. These are the sort of issues that are making a difference in how Americans trust their government, how we can exercise our free speech. And of course, Elon Musk is giving us a view from another point, what it looked like inside of Twitter to get these requests. This picture is not pretty. It really shows one of the great freedoms in America under assault by its own government and sometimes by the institutions like universities, like Michael Chamberlain told us on Friday, that are supposed to be bastions of free speech, not disruptors of it. And so really, as you think through, as you go into these last two weeks of the year, it's a major fundamental threat to the identity and essence and freedom of America. What's going on right now between government, private business, big tech, and free speech. So glad that Kevin Brock and so many others over the last week, Andrew Clyde and others are here fighting to re reverse these trends, which affect every one of us. Yes, it affects Democrats as Senator Bob Torcelli told us on the show last week, we got to get a grip on this. We got to come to some agreement in America that the way to fight political battles or disinformation or disputes isn't less free speech. It's more free speech. I think that's the lesson of 2023. All right, we're going to wrap up for the day. Thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. Now, if you need a news fix before then, Download the Just the News smartphone app at the iOS or Android stores. Go get it in Google Play Store, Apple Store. Download the Just the News app. You can watch, read, or listen to the show on that app. Real simple. Go check it out today. If you haven't downloaded it, do yourself an early Christmas gift. It's a great way to experience Just the News. All right. We're going to sign off for the day. Happy Sunday. God bless you. God bless this extraordinary country of the United States. We'll be back tomorrow with a whole nother show and a lot more scoops. Good night, folks. God bless you. 
Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner. Whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bite, you and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www.twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. Hey there, it's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore, with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, experts, politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey. 